0: You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Ask DroneU. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. Thanks for joining us
1: today. Glad that you are spending a few minutes of your day with us. We appreciate it very much. And go to AskDroneU.com for your questions. We want to hear from you. That's what this show's about, is your questions. We love it. It uh, gets us jazzed to hang out and uh, help you guys out in any way that we can. So.
0: Speaking of questions, Rob, have you heard about uh, in the Ukrainian war that uh, Zelensky and the Ukrainian generals are giving credence uh, to the most useful um, asset of their military being drone pilots? Have you heard about that?
1: Not recently. I mean, I know a little while back they were talking about deploying many of them just civilians or just Mm -hmm. taking them, not taking them, asking civilians to let them use them. And I mean, just the consumer drones that you get off the shelf.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I heard in one report that uh, thanks to some civilian drone pilots, they were able to literally stop multiple Russian convoys and just using some of these drones and attaching like... You know, pound and a half, you know, explosive devices to them, grenades, all sorts of things. And um, I have to say, I think it's actually, it showcases the, the value in being a good drone pilot and it showcases... The value that we all have to our uh, to our countries and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and you know seeing too that the US is sending over those kamikaze drones from aero environment the Switchblades. I think it's actually quite interesting how the direction of this war is literally being driven by drone pilots I think that that's pretty cool if there ever was a you never know yeah. This might be it. I mean, you would have thunk.
1: I guess it kind of is logical at this point in hindsight. But to think that, let's just call it your average drone pilot, can have that much of an impact on such a massive event, series of events, whatever you want to call it, it's pretty astonishing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say there was a class that we did on, it was a very short one on clandestine takeoffs and landings. I can't remember which class it was in, but I think that that would be valuable to anyone In Ukraine, who might need that. So, if you need it, just let us know. But let's get into today's question, which is mapping based. And I will say, when all of you experienced mappers hear this question, I think it's important to remember that we all started somewhere because a lot of people are going to hear this question and go, oh no, oh no, what about this, what about that? And we'll address those things nicely. Because again, we all started in a place where we love to fly. So as many of you know, when the first intro questions kind of come with mapping, a lot of people are unaware of um, some of the regulatory burdens slash potential openings for liability when certain things are claimed or stated. So we'll make sure to hit that in this question as well, because it's I think the question stems from someone very new Um, And it also goes to show that a lot of people are still getting into mapping. So that said, let's uh, go ahead and play this question. It is brought to you by our landing pads. We now have landing pads for public safety. We now have a lot of ground control points or GCP landing pads. We also have lots of minis as well for your smaller drones. Uh, If you want to pick up a landing pad or a set of landing pads for mapping, then just go to you.com and at the bottom of the page, click swag and you will see it. Hi, I had a question and any answers would be helpful. So here it goes. What drone should I get that is suitable for measuring height and length of residential property? You know, mainly for photogrammetry of houses and whatnot. I'm a big fan of the DJI Inspire too. So, basically, my question is: Is the Inspire model suitable for my project, or should I get the P Four tk I hear that is good as well. Like I said, any answers are helpful. I would like to support you in any way I can. I just became aware of your podcast a few days ago. Actually, great podcast. And um, yeah, just I'm looking for something that has Great quality of video and picture to uh, do what I need to do. So any answers would be helpful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't want to mess your name up, but I'm going to say Yannick. Is that, that's, is that how you would say that? Anyways, mm. I hope we got that right. Thank you for the question. Astronew.com is where he sent his question in. And uh, I don't know. We, we love hearing from all of you. And Inspire too.
0: One of my favorites. Can't go wrong there. No, you really can't. I think that even brings up an important point is that if this guy is considering doing other drone work, like, you know, high-end production uh, and action sports, et cetera, I think he would get more flexibility out of something like the Inspire 2 to do, you know, photogrammetric stuff, but also these other high-end filming things, you know, because there's a lot of opportunity with that drone. I think it gets um, underestimated as a mapping drone as long as you have the right sensor on it yeah no I couldn't agree more now okay so someone just getting into mapping this guy wants to take linear and vertical measurements first thing I will say is that anytime measurements are being taken you probably should have ground control points Uh, I think the easiest and cheapest method of using ground control points is again uh, gonna be arrow points you can rent them you can buy them they're not crazy expensive um, and anytime that you are taking those measurements, you also have to be careful because unless you are a surveyor, and again, this is state- uh, regulated. So each state has different rules, um, which you should really investigate those rules because they really are developing across the country, uh, which is so funny again because so many surveyors just hire guys like Yannick to go do this stuff. And then surveyors get pissed when other people are doing survey like work, which is not always the case that it's survey like. But that said, um, You should not really claim an accuracy, you should really understand also how accuracy is formulated because there is a human element, there is a GPS element, and there is a GCP element um, that all work together to create a formula of accuracy. And I will also say, I would not, you know, in these two drones he's talking about, Inspire 2, Phantom 4 RTK, what a lot of people don't know about that Phantom 4 RTK is that you are limited to certain kinds of missions. So anything that you want to do 3D related, like a 3D modeling buying that drone is not gonna help you do 3D stuff. Um, In fact, the Inspire 2 has a clear advantage on this because if you buy the X7 camera, you have a much larger sensor, better light into every single pixel, and you'll get much better 3D models. when it comes to 2D orthomosaics, the Phantom 4 RTK is gonna do great, but you're not gonna be able to have another third-party app to do the other kind of deliverables that you wanna do. That's all that's pretty much in a nutshell why I don't recommend the Phantom RTK to just about anyone. In addition to that, people are not typically aware that with the Phantom RTK, you have to pay for a subscription to a VRS to be able to get those corrections. And also oftentimes a lot of people fall prey to marketing and hype techniques that you don't need a GCP whenever you use the P4RTK Uh, That is technically not correct. And additionally, if you follow any of the photogrammetry standards, which in my opinion are still a little wishy-washy, but take the photogrammetric standards from ASPRS, they're still going to recommend that you have a GCP, even if you're flying an RTK bird. So that said, the complexities of the Phantom 4 RTK2 are numerous, um, and it's not an easy bird to just pick up and start doing some mapping jobs. Can
1: I ask what is a good reason to get the Phantom for, for RTK, RTK
0: if you are doing nothing but surveys like uh, alta surveys, property line surveys, mortgage surveys. Okay. All that type of stuff where you're making legal decisions based off of measurements. I think that RTK drone is great. Again, you're still going to need a GCP, some yeah. something to reference. So, um because if you have nothing to spot check your, uh, RTK data, then you'll have no idea if you had a bad RTK signal, if you weren't getting the corrections properly, if you're flying in area of heavy interference, you won't know until it's too late. Yeah. Um, meaning you have to redo the whole job. So that said, I think that's a, a great thing. Now, Listening to the details of his question, he talks about taking linear measurements, but also vertical measurements. Mm -hmm. Okay, typically to do vertical measurements, we're gonna have to do 3D data sets. Double grids, quad grids, double grids and orbits or just orbits, um, there's uh, there's a lot in that. And to get those vertical measurements sometimes is easier to just create a 2D map and utilize like a Leica laser measurer and do some scale constraints on all the corners of the buildings to know hmm. how tall they really are. That might honestly be an easier way to do it. More time consuming though. But that said, in relation to his question, hey, I wanna do measurements, which drone, et cetera. Because we're now really talking 3D once again, I think the Inspire 2 is good, but you also have flexibility to use that on other jobs, meaning it's a more valuable drone as a whole. But also to do these linear measurements, you can't just fly a grid, or a double grid and expect to get really good measurements. You know, did you do a compass calibration? Where did you do the compass calibration? Were there uh, magnetic objects or were there obstructions to the sky where you're not really getting a good um, compass calibration? Because here's the thing, you know, what a lot of newer pilots I think fail to understand is GPS as a whole. Your phone might be accurate to five meters on the X and Y, but your phone could be off by hundreds of feet on the Z axis or the elevation axis. The same is true with a drone. I mean, we have had missions here where the drone was off in elevation by six, 700 feet. And if this student, drone pilot, whatever you want to label them as, tries to conduct these orthomosaics, these 3D models, wants to get quote-unquote accurate or precise measurements, that's going to be extremely difficult to do without geo-reference data, without Mm -hmm. GCPs. Um, Is it possible? Yes. Is your accuracy or precision going to go down? Yes, and substantially. Including whether or not you can even verify your
1: accuracy. Yeah. At all. Yeah, 100%. So how do you even know?
0: Well, and a lot of people, that's another mistake. They look at PIX4D, they look at the quality report, they see the RMS error, and they're like, oh, everything is honky dory. Well, like we teach in the mapping class, it's not that simple. Um, Even if you do have GCPs and checkpoints, and the RMS error says according to your checkpoints and GCPs, you know, RMS error is a hundredth of a foot or something like that. Well, is it truly a verification of accuracy if we shot the checkpoints and the GCPs with the exact same piece of GPS equipment? The answer is no. You really have to take that data and throw it into a third-party application, QGIS, ArcGIS, ESRI, stuff like that, to really verify the true positioning accuracy. Hmm. Um, and that's something I think that you learn as a, as a PLS but when it comes to you know, doing these measurements, my first question to this guy would be, who is asking you to do these linear measurements and these uh, vertical measurements? Yeah,
1: what's the deliverable?
0: Uh, yeah, because if this is like for a roofing company who's trying to get uh, uh, an idea of what it's gonna take to replace the roof uh, and logistically get roofing materials up there, cool. This, he's not legally liable for anything. Now, if a realtor, or a project engineer or a surveyor is asking for this information, well, no legal decisions can be made off of a drone map or model that was not signed off by a surveyor. And so he can actually get in a whole storm of trouble as we very well know in certain states. Other states are more flexible, so it really depends on where he lives. Um, even assuming if he's in the United States. So I would say to recap the information, if I were to choose between those two drones, based off of how he asked the question, Inspire 2, I think would be the way to go. I would even try to get the X7 camera. Um, The multi-block error is no longer existent in many softwares with that. In addition, while it is more expensive to fly each mission with that drone, he'll be able to fly more days out of the year, meaning when it's windy. Mm He will also have opportunities outside of photogrammetry with that particular drone. Um, In addition, because he's talking about vertical measurements, he's probably going to be looking at 3D modeling, not just 2D modeling. So there's a lot kind of in the question as a whole. I would also warn him that you need to be very careful who you're working for, what they're asking and how you answer those questions. Because the way that we teach talking about accuracy is that if you're doing work for anyone in, let's say, uh, engineering, civil engineering, surveying, etc. We teach our students how to read quality reports to understand the human error element of marking GCPs. And we showcase how to present that to surveyors, to these project engineers, so they know what to look for without claiming accuracy. And I would say there is no ego building in claiming accuracy, in fact, all the people who claim these absurd accuracies, those are the people that actually the government should go after. <laughs> um, like, I, again, I will never forget the guy at the PIX40 user conference who claimed that you could get a one millimeter RMS error. And it's like, do you even know the rules of ground sampling distance? Like, I mean, literally, like literally in five minutes, he was laughed off the stage. I mean, it, it was it was bad mm. because... If you know the rules of ground sampling distance, which is all about focal length, sensor size, altitude, right? Well, if we have a 20 megapixel camera, we can only get so accurate because you really can't see a millimeter on the ground, okay? And so, you know, those people who claim to have a millimeter of accuracy, yeah, horse caca, I could literally <laughs> talk you into the ground Technical term. very easily. Um, yeah. And I mean, if you were ever to go to court over this particular issue too, one subject matter expert would be like, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's not true. And this is three reasons as to why. So, so you better know what you're doing and what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, this this guy sounds like a perfect candidate for the mapping class. You know, we we cram a lot of material in three days, but we want you to be prepared. And so I think that this guy would be perfect for the mapping class because yeah. it's not as easy as some realtors and construction project managers make it out to sound like, oh, just fly an autonomous pattern. Run the data through drone deploy, it, It'll be fine. It's like, yeah, no. So depending on what you want to do with it, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good caveat. So yeah. Um, with that said, uh, you know, we've already recapped kind of. I think the answer mm-hmm. for him, and also considering some other, um, well, considerations. I think. Yeah. And plenty. Lots to think about, Yannick. A hundred percent, and I would say I personally love flying the Inspire too. So. Yeah, and unless you're doing a very specific kind of deliverable, the P4 RTK may not be right for you. So Yeah, it sounds pretty clear. I mean, it's a pretty uh, lopsided
1: win, if you will, between the two drones.
0: Yeah, and I will just say if someone put a P4 RTK and a P4 Pro in front of me and they gave me a list of deliverables, I would feel so much more comfortable using the P4 Pro because of how many third-party applications there are, how much flexibility that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, in using another piece of equipment for ground control points would give me a sense of relief and that I have a way to verify my geo data. So for me... I'm just not a big fan of the Phantom 4 RTK. I mean, I also think DJI is price gouging people on that. Because if you think about it, it's you know I forget what the RTK upgrade is on the Mavic Two Enterprise Dual. It was something like twelve hundred bucks, right, or something in that area. Well, you take twelve hundred bucks, you add it to the price of a Phantom, you're still only at thirty-two hundred bucks, and the P4 RTK costs seven grand. <laughs> and I mean, I know it's got the highest profit margin for a lot of these uh, survey supply companies and the construction companies and whatnot but just know that they have a incentive to sell you that drone it may also not have a lot of experience in the user interface because it is a cf so and that was the pg pc way of
1: saying it (laughs) Yeah. yeah i think you can turn it into r if you want to on
0: your own. Yeah, I think yeah, I was about to until you said on your own. <laughs> anyway. No, 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 no. I was like opportunity. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, that's oh, going to do it for us. Funny. If if you are considering getting into mapping, know that we have one of the most robust training programs on our prop site. It's called Props Mapper and it is The deepest content, most comprehensive content on mapping, I think that you can find. And uh, it's also taught from experience. There's a lot of people teaching mapping that no offense, simply do not know what the F they're talking about. And I've watched a lot of them and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not right. Oh my gosh, that's not right. Oh my gosh, that's the wrong vernacular. Like, and these little things matter because if you're using even the wrong vocabulary and you're speaking with someone in the industry any industry that you're going to do mapping in, you're going to look stupid. And if you give them a reason to doubt you, I would not expect repeat work. So mapping is one of those things. It's the complete opposite of our creative drone work and that there's lots of flexibility, lots of interpretability. Mapping is very clear cut. It's very technical. And uh, everything has a formula. So it's not something that you can just be like, well, X... Plus y plus z equals the square root of x two. It's like, uh, no, that's not correct. So, but I also just made up a fake formula. So you, you <laughs> so get it's the definitely idea. Definitely not correct. Definitely <laughs> not correct. There's no way to correct that. <laughs> anyway. So uh, well, thank
1: you. No, that's a lot of good information. So, uh, Yannick, hopefully that's helpful. I believe it probably is. Let us know if you have follow up questions.
0: Yeah, and you know, one last thing I want to say. We've done a lot of podcasts about cloud based mapping uh software. We've talked a lot about desktop based stuff. Don't forget, we have a really killer resource on our website. It's you.com forward slash what is drone mapping software. Just add a hyphen in between each word and it'll take you there. And it explains that there's technically three types Of mapping software there's acquisition software there's processing software which is desktop based and then there's what we call the all-in-ones which is typically uh, that's a drone deploy right you have the app you can control your drone on it but also it's a cloud-based system where you can process cloud-based systems fundamentally have limitations over desktop-based processors. The reason we continue to teach on Pix4D, it is the only software that allows you to produce just about every deliverable. So it provides you flexibility. But uh, anyway, that's my two cents.
1: No, stay tuned for the next podcast because uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, That's what the question's about.
0: Well, we will leave that mic drop for now and uh, get on to the next one. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks to all the members that are in the community that support DroneU, continue to support DroneU. We've got some new exciting classes coming out, things that we've been working on over the last year. Uh, We just completed another class. that will probably take a couple months to get out. But uh, it's by far the class that I've been the most excited for for a very long time. So what am I Good talking stuff. about? I'm talking about CineWhip. So if you're like me, you love to fly, you need a new challenge, well, CineWhip is definitely the challenge. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but,
1: I'm excited for that one.
0: Yeah, me too, Rob, me too. But anyway, thank you to all of you. Thank you to the DroneU Flight crew. Thank you to Rob. And uh, if you have a question, ask at DroneU.com. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, Business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.